electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Billy Joel's buddy, Jim Cramer. We're live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. We're going to have an exclusive interview with Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins. That'll be just a few minutes from now. And let's give you a look at futures as we get ready for uh, the open of trading here for a Thursday, a half hour from now from the New York Stock Exchange. You can see we are set up for what would look to be a slightly lower open, which always leads us to our roadmap. And it does start not with the stock market, but with a big company named Walmart and its shares, which are set to open at a new all-time high. The retailer delivers an earnings beat, also forecasts what is, quote, a good holiday season. Plus, global technology, global technology spending slowdown concerns. Cisco shares, they are sinking ahead of the bell, as we told you. Chuck Robbins going to join us. Rain or shine, we always like that. He'll be with us in a few minutes for an interview. And Elizabeth Warren on attack. The presidential hopeful dropping a fierce new campaign ad today. She's targeting a handful of outspoken billionaires who've criticized her publicly, many of them right here on our air. Let's get shares of Walmart. They are on track, as I said, to open at a new all-time high. Quarterly earnings were ahead of expectations. Comparable store sales up for a 21st consecutive quarter. And e-commerce sales, get this, 41% in the U.S. was what they were up. That was helped by growth in what they said was online grocery. Walmart also raises its full-year guidance. CEO Doug McMillan saying the retailer is prepared for a good holiday season. Jim's stock looking up right now about 2%. See when the algos are done with it, where it ends up. Makes but, uh, sense. Makes sense. Makes sense to you. Corey came over with that Jet.com. Say that again. Was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yep. was a very important addition because remember, Amazon doesn't do food as well as these guys, and that's really important because you're doing forty-one percent. You're taking share. You're growing. You're educating. This is a remarkable quarter. Remember, you got to give it. It's a six point six percent two-year stack growth. This is not a small cap retailer. This is not a small cap retailer. 275 million people a week go here. Yeah, and it's the largest single employer in the United States, private employer. Uh, Mid-single-digit EPS growth rate is what one of the analysts they had on Squawk Box said earlier. And so this person was left to wonder, Jim, should it trade at this larger premium to the S&P? Or if it does, does that mean its upside is capped? Uh, No, I I think it should trade at this large, and I'm going to give you a premium. Because we're about to speak with Chuck Robbins. And Chuck Robbins has a formerly great growth company uh, with worldwide hardware levered attack. That's kind of not what we want right now. What we're looking for is a gigantic, mostly domestic company that's putting in good numbers and has good gross margins. And when I think about that, what name comes to mind is Walmart. So this kind of fits the bill. And now, remember, we're in November. If I were a mutual fund, how could I not show? How could I not show you didn't know my this. portfolio? And it has outperformed the S&P by, what, almost 
10% yeah, of I mean, you have to so. be like, wow, if I don't own Walmart and Disney, people are going to say, did you not read the papers? Did you not talk to anyone? Disney Plus, you know, now up to probably, I don't know, 14 million. And I wanna, you know what? I want to talk, you know, no, talk about that yesterday and, and Disney. I'm, we'll make sure we have a previous day on that because I do want to get your thoughts on it. But back to Walmart itself. Any read through here for the rest of retail? I mean, yes. you've talked about Watch for quite some time now, which, of course, starts with. Walmart. Walmart, then goes to Amazon, Amazon Target. Target's going to have a good, yeah, really good number. Costco, all-time high yesterday. And Home they Depot, are there they are. Of the run of the joint. Home Depot, I understand, having a very good fall. So you look at these companies, and what you say is flush, consumer flush. Mm-hmm. Now, the consumer's not buying at a higher end. They're not buying at Nordstrom. We know they're not buying at Tiffany. But these just kind of go to the, mall, go to the strip mall, not the regular, not a mall. Buy things. David, I, the wealth effect is remarkable. The What we're seeing is new homes again moving, lower interest rates, people feeling good about the economy and their job and not worrying about getting, a, you know, getting fired. If they can, there's another job. This is a barometer of how strong America is. And, David, I'm going to turn the tables. Uh-oh. You Whoa. were the only person who I think has ever really had access to Walmart. And, Walmart. Oh, well, I did a couple of documentaries. It's a long company. time ago, though, Jim. Well, at David, this point. that was you. It was a great growth company, and I wonder, David, hasn't it just become out of nowhere a great growth company again? Well, I mean, they had some dark years there. Yeah. Remember, and and Mr. McMillan took over uh, from. I think it was Mike Duke. And maybe I'm missing a CEO well, there. Ratio, I think it was Mike Duke. And he did was he raised the, and raised the he, salaries. He did. He raised salaries. He invest, he's invested a great deal in e-commerce. So that's why you see 41% overall e-commerce top-line growth. Gross margins, by the way, better yeah. than they had been last year. But they say improvements in merchandising mix and leveraging operating expenses. But, you know, this is a family Almost family-controlled company. Well, didn't that sometimes that we don't. Cover. Yes, sometimes we don't mention that enough. That's the Walton a very good family point. still owns. It's roughly right in there. Around, I mean, I got to check the numbers, but fifty percent, Jim. Something. But how about like that. how much? Their dividend than... payments, by the way, a year that go to the grandkids. I oh, maybe they're even yeah, at the great grandkids now. They're so are rich. insane. And uh, the, um, the stores look great. That really does matter because once you got yeah. that continuity of manager, then you really have stores that are no longer. Um, what I would say, old looking. Right. And you have someone at the front who knows exactly where everything is because they've worked there more than three months. Right. And it's It's all, but it goes back to this idea where you needed some time and you needed the patience of your investor base. Not all companies have that luxury. In this case, Mr. McMillan had the buy-in of the family, clearly. She's use that at the top of my And show. that can, that that can make a lot of the difference. I got it from you? Take from me whatever you okay, want. Okay, when we come back from the commercial, I, I will credit you. You're my brother. No, That's exactly what's... No, Billy Joel is my brother. It's actually what Steve Not Bannon said to me once. Can you, yeah, that was interesting. Big hug and everything. Love you. Love you. Are we taking a break now so no, we make time for Cisco? On. Oh, I'm just, okay. Well, let's talk. Say next something. week, Jim. Yeah. Next week, don't miss CNBC's Evolve Summit. I don't want you to miss it. No, no, the guests are so great that I talked to my, ex- I talked to my executive producer, Regina Gilgan, and I said, I'm going to Los Angeles, sorry, and I'm going to get that interview with Doug McMillan. I'm just going to crash it. Who God. says I can't? I know. Well, I'm the oldest guy. You- me and Becky, Billy Joel. Becky Quick will be doing the interview, Jim. Well, I've always loved Becky. If you ask yes, her, she, she would do. say, I brought her on TV. She will do an excellent interview, no, but, I'm sure. But I and that's going to be very interesting. For, that is a Larry great... Larry Kudlow's replacement when I was doing Kudlow and Kramer. No kidding. And she was not as optimistic as Larry. No? Is anyone. That. 
No, it'd be very hard to be that optimistic. Right, now, we have to move you don't, on. You'd have to be part of the Let's move on. Well, speaking move of politics, no one tells me your buddy Larry is now involved in politics. Democratic presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren is promoting her wealth tax and slamming billionaires. It's in a new campaign uh, advertisement that is set to debut on our network this hour. Here's a sample. It is time for a wealth tax in America. I've heard that there are some billionaires who don't support this plan. The vilification of billionaires makes no sense to me. It's bull. Leon Cooperman, by the way, responding today. He'll be live on the Halftime Report. All all we do on the show is just promote interviews that are coming up. What can I say? Um, Do you think that Walt Disney doesn't do it with uh, when you watch Adam Sheffer, my friend Adam Sheffer talking about uh, Disney Plus? So it's not we're not alone. You got to do it. Uh, But Lee will be coming up. He was on. I think it was last week. She responds. She's using this. uh, The Warren campaign, I should say, is using this certainly as what they see as an effective tool to get their message across. It doesn't stop, Jim. You know, I try to have lunch as often as I can with CEOs. You do, too. Yes. Uh, senior managers, hedge fund, private equity, and Warren comes up often. You know, uh, no, the first often. question is, do you think Every she has, yeah, does she have a chance? Could she really win? You know, a lot of these people, frankly, don't want to vote for D- Donald Trump. I will say it right now. They're right. not interested in that, right. but they're looking for an alternative, and they're very much middle-of-the-road business people, right. and they can't see themselves ever voting for Elizabeth Warren. And then you turn to this conversation about the wealth tax, and is right. it, could it ever really happen? And what would actually happen if she be, did uh, gain the presidency? What, she, what in her agenda would she be able to pass? Right. Uh, but it's front and center all the time in these conversations. Yeah, it is, because, uh, first of all, it's a very compelling figure. Uh, fiery. Kind of uh, raised last corn more hell, old school uh, nationalist in some ways. I know she is, would be, might be sensitive to that term, but of the 1890s, when we had a panic of the 1890s, and she's basically saying, look, we have to take back, uh, we don't want to crucify mankind, you know, crucify mankind on a cross of gold. Very William Jennings Bryant-like, who, by the way, was a brilliant orator. Now, remember, she was a great professor. And now, at, when I, I went to Harvard Law, the one thing we learned was that you have double taxation already. You have taxation at the corporate level, then you have taxation at the individual level. She'd add a third level of, of taxation. Yes, yes. If she were teaching corporate court, corporate law at, at Harvard, I think she would say, look, I've got to make an exception to what the law says, and it's time for that. But it, it's certainly not the uh, the way you were taught tax. No. I like, my new hobby is to go into billionaires' homes, and I cut out 6% of their art you know, from the corner. You can sort of measure, take 6%, yeah, pull that the, out, with, and then you get the, get that the to Rothko, the corner. You probably do double it. I know. I mean, you could use a little Rothko. A little Rothko. I was in yeah, last we're week in a beautiful home. And we were talking about how much will Elizabeth Warren come in and actually take off the wall. All right, up next, we're going to have that exclusive with Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins. The company's guidance is weighing on the stock this morning. We're going to see how it opens 20 minutes from now, as we will, of course, the overall market. Take a look at futures. We got a lot more squawk in the street from Post Nine coming your way. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
the huge communication company Cisco down this morning, despite beats on the top and bottom line for the quarter just reported. Uh, the next quarter, though, uh, the guidance was actually quite disappointing for uh, many of the analysts. Uh, joining us now exclusively is Cisco CEO and Chairman Chuck Robbins. Ch- Chuck, as my partner David Faber said, rain or shine, you come on. And first, I want to tell you we appreciate that greatly, and thank you so much. Well, it's good to be here, Jim. How you doing, David? I'm doing well, Chuck. Thanks. Okay, so Chuck, I just want to put people. I want to get things in perspective for people at home. This morning, we had an amazing quarter from Walmart, the consummate consumer company. And people might say, you know what? If Walmart's good, why isn't Cisco good? But you're actually the exact opposite. You're completely involved with enterprise worldwide. Can you explain to people that it's entirely possible that the consumer business, even in technology, could be strong, but the international and actually domestic enterprise business could be quite weak? They're different, different economies. Yeah, Jim, I I think you've heard from many of my peers and colleagues over the last couple of months, frankly, those of us who rely on business investment and capital investments uh, have been expressing concerns over things that we're seeing in the marketplace. And we we actually mentioned it on our last call, so this is uh, this is not something that has just newly emerged. And uh, what we talked about at the end of last quarter of Q4, when we said we began to see some weakness, uh, just manifested itself throughout the quarter. So you heard Chairman Powell yesterday talking about his concern over business investment, and I think that's the issue that we're facing. The consumer in the U.S., as you see from Walmart and others, has remained very strong, and uh, it's a bit of a dichotomy in the market right now. Right. So uh, we all know you as someone who returns a great deal of cash to shareholders. Stock's done very well since you've come in. You have an incredibly uh, forthright uh, and transparent CFO, Kelly Kramer, no relation. And one point in the call, Chuck, she goes, I don't see any catalyst to change the momentum right now. That made me feel like that you and Kelly are saying this is not a one quarter turn. If you buy the stock, do not, from my perspective, do not expect that the next one or two quarters, maybe even three quarters, are going to be different. Well, Jim, I think what Kelly said was we're not modeling any shift in momentum simply because we don't see anything in the short term that is going to definitively resolve some of the uncertainty that exists around the world. You, you know as well as I do that business confidence, CEO confidence uh, has been waning, and it's really been waning because of all the uncertainty, whether it's the U.S.-China trade situation, the Hong Kong situation, Brexit, what's going on in Washington. I mean, there's just there's a lot of uncertainty. So all we're saying is that we aren't modeling any change in the momentum but certainly if we get a resolution in U.S.-China, even an interim deal, that could potentially help. And I also think that our customers, they, I think they've taken a pause, but this technology is so fundamental to their strategies. It's, it's not just you know, operational infrastructure. Technology today is fundamental to how they're running their organizations and the strategy of their organization. So there's only so long that they can actually pause. All right, now, Chuck, you are a suffering Atlanta Falcons fan, but last week you beat the Saints. So on any given Sunday, I think that Cisco can win. Let me give you the bull case, Cisco. I know that's a little odd that there's a guy giving the bull case to the CEO. I think you have a tremendous amount of your business that's in secular growth mode and that you spent most of the call talking about the cyclical part. But the growth mode that a lot of people want to be in, the Cisco growth mode, actually had great margins, is coming on strong. And if you just hold on, you will see upside regardless of worldwide growth. 
Hey Jim, if you if you look at how we're we'll talk about football in a minute, but if you if you look at how we're executing <laughs> around the things that we control, margins were fantastic, security growth was fantastic, and I just want to take a minute to talk about this transition to software that we've been pushing for the last four years because I think it's underappreciated. We said in 2017 that by the end of 2020, which is next July, that we would have 30% of our revenue coming from software, and we are on track to make that happen. So think about 30% of our revenue. That's a big software number. And we said we wanted to have 66% of that coming from subscriptions and SaaS, and we are actually ahead of tra- uh, we're ahead of that heading towards July. And if you go back four years ago and you look at our software business, it was much, much smaller, and less than a third of it was coming from subscriptions. So... You know, by the end of this year, 30% of our revenue will be coming from software, and probably greater than 70% of that will be coming from subscription and SaaS. So that transition you know, has been going really well, and the success we've had building a subscription business on top of our core networking portfolio, I think years from now, two to three years from now, when those renewal windows come up, I think you'll see the benefit of that. Chuck, I would like to come back to sort of uh, the concern, at least we're seeing reflected in the stock price this morning in terms of what you're hearing from your customers. You did address it in some detail on the conference call, but I'd love you to sort of help our viewers understand it as well. When you said things like you saw some large deals get done, but they got done smaller. Um, You said that you were personally involved in a few things, talking to customers about transactions. By the time they got done, they were smaller and more signatures were required. So... What's going on out there, and do you expect it to continue into the next quarter and the quarter after that? Yeah, David, what we see when, when we see our customers pause, there are a few things that are just, that are usually signatures of that. First of all, our, our uh, close rate on our funnel or our pipeline goes down, which we saw. We see deals getting pushed out, and we see some deals that start out bigger and then get smaller. And uh, we saw all of those things occur. And it's, um, it's just, it's a classic signal that we've seen historically. I've been doing this a long time, and I mean, it looks exactly like what we've seen in the past. Now, the thing that I would point out is that some of these large customers that, you know, when they start saying, I need one more signature, let's add another step into the procurement process, they're just, they're just expressing caution that they're concerned about what's going on in the macro environment. And that's what we saw even with some companies who service the consumer, and, um, you know, we saw out, Kelly and I were involved in, in one transaction with a very large customer that it started at one size, and by the time it finished, it was relatively smaller, and it was because they were concerned that this could bleed over into the consumer at some point. So we hope that doesn't happen, but that's what we heard from our customers this past quarter. Now, relative to how long it lasts, again, as I said earlier, I think we're yeah. modeling. It's impossible for us to model improvement, but uh, we're, we're going to just continue to focus on what we can control. All right, well, let's assume we get a phase one trade deal signed with China before the end of the year. Do you think that changes the calculation for a lot of these businesses in terms of how they view their expenditures? I I think that would help. I think that's one of the most significant things lingering right now. And I think that any good news like that, or if you get to a resolution on Brexit or one of these major issues, I think that certainly that would give our customers a little more confidence. We'd have to see how much confidence it gives them, but that's certainly one of the big issues hanging out there right now. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, you, you spoke to us moments ago about sort of how you've positioned the company in terms of the importance of software. You also talk often about cloud automation, 5G, which is something we talk a lot about here. Tell us and our viewers 
5G, we, they hear the words, but, you know, it may just be a number and a letter, I mean, to a lot of people. What does it actually mean in terms of the opportunity for Cisco? And what are you seeing right now in terms of how uh, your customers are adopting whatever it is you have available to them and will continue to? Well, I listened to how Jim described it yesterday. I thought he did a great job. It's, uh, you know, right now where, where the focus is, is really on building out the networks for the consumer mobile devices. And the early stages of that, they're going to run that across their existing network infrastructure. But as they build out broad-based enterprise services, which probably begins later next year into 21, then they'll have to then upgrade their core networks to accommodate the, the massive increase in traffic that they'll see with IoT applications, manufacturing applications, etc. And that's where we will begin to participate in that because of that backbone network upgrade. And you're going to see some announcements from us over the next month or two that'll uh, position us for being very well prepared for that transition when it occurs. All right, Chuck, last question. What do you say to the critics, including one on the call, who just say, you know what, you've got this continued deceleration, you've got this structure, you have service providers, they just don't seem to come back and buy. Is it, may, is it time to do something big now that you have this great secular growth story versus the cyclical and not tolerate that level of what I know you think is underperformance? Yeah, you know, Jim, we're look, we have a lot of things that we're working on right now that will begin to unveil their... There's a lot of innovation coming out of the company. We had significant number of announcements next week. We have more coming over the next few months. So, you know, look, these one quarter comes and goes, and I think uh, we're focused really on, I know it sounds clichéic, but we are focused on driving this business for the long term, and I think most of our shareholders care about it for the long term. And, uh, again, quarters come and go, and we're not too worried about it. I and think and that, by the way, uh, Jim, yeah. hey, hey, the 49ers look pretty good this year, don't you think? Oh, geez, you switched to the West Coast, and I was going to tell you to talk to your friend Arthur Blank and have him fire Dan Quinn. Chuck, again, thank you for coming on, and I want people to know that the, that thinking for the long term has made people money for Cisco and, Ch- and Chuck Robbins, and I just appreciate the, seeing you, sir, and I hope you have a good one. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Okay. All right. Still to come right here, it's uh, Jim's Mad Dash. We'll count you down to the opening bell about uh, six minutes from now. Let's give you one more look at futures. You can see we are set up for a slightly lower open. More squawk on the street straight ahead. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. 
three minutes till we uh, get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange. Let's uh, squeeze in a mad dash ahead of that open. I talk about canopy growth. Now, this is a company, a big chunk of it was bought with the equivalent of managing uh, by Constellation Brands. And it's been disappointing, but not necessarily because of there, although they missed by looking for a $100 million EBITDA loss. It came in about more than 150. I know we have the CEO on at 11, but I want to point out this, David. In the 1930s, when our country had to protect the farmers, we killed cattle, we killed hogs, and we plowed under crops. If they don't plow under cannabis in Canada, they're never going to get any pricing. What's happened is, is that there's a surfeit of, of cannabis that no one ever believed in. I saw this happen in southern uh, Oregon when they ripped up the Pinot Noir fields and planted cannabis. So this oversupply is not unlike the 1930s, and you can't beat it. It doesn't matter how good you are. So uh, there's just been some major misjudgments. It's not as big an industry as people thought. Maybe one day it will be. And these stocks are disastrous. Yeah, a lot of the industry seems to be waiting for legalization federally yeah. here in the United States. That will be the big moment, look, right, if, you it know, com- if it ever happens. Look, they, they, look, they liked vaping here more than it. It's just something that's happened. It's just a very big disappointment. And I want to warn everyone who owns these stocks, it's very clear it's not over. There's just way too much cannabis. Not over? No. So was that money well spent by Constellation? What did that's they spend a great on that? Question. $4 billion? Yeah, that's the a number? Little, $5 billion Canadian? That's a very good question because it is true that if there is going to be a company that's positioned to take over the market, it's going to be this or maybe Kronos with the money that got from Altria. But, David, there is just an oversupply. It's kind of like the 30s. And I don't know what to do. Now, everyone's going to say, well, listen, we have an asset-like model or don't worry about us. It hasn't mattered. They all trade together. And it has been one of the great remember when busts. You couldn't short Tilray because it would cost you right. so much, but you wish you could have. Yeah, it's uh, this, this is a... This is a disaster of incredible proportions. Now, obviously, Canopy at one point could trade through cash if they weren't burning cash so quickly. Uh, Kronos, too. David, it's just not a big industry until what you talked about. And it wasn't like they jumped the gun. It's just that everyone thought, you know, it's going to be huge. People are bringing it in from the border. We're going to be drinking uh, cannabis. We're going to be smoking. We're going to be eating cannabis. You know what? No. A little ahead of itself. Ahead of itself is right. Kind of like when, uh, if you remember the build out of the fiber in 2000. Yes. It's a fiber fiber build out, David. It all got used eventually. It did. And maybe this will happen too with all the cannabis up there. But they need to have legislation burning at least half the cannabis. And man, I want to be there when it happens. There's the opening bell here at the NYC, the S&P 500 real-time exchange. Take a look. Uh, I'll be a little bit more red. We'll be on that board. By the way, here at the big board, doing the honors, the Emerging Markets Internet and E-Commerce ETF, celebrating its fifth listing anniversary over at the NASDAQ FinServe acquisition. That's a special purpose. A SPAC. There are so many SPACs, Jim. Well, that's everybody, usually... Lo- everybody starts a SPAC these days. That's usually not a good everybody. sign. If, if you, you were to leave CNBC, I'm sure you'd do a SPAC. I mean, you'd do a bunch of them. But then you got to actually go out and buy something. I'd spick its back. See, it's not. It's easy to list the spec. It's harder to find the right acquisition opportunity for the spec. But how's the fee while you're waiting and doing things? It's good fee, right? Yeah. It's kind of fee-driven business. Yeah. Well, it how is. About doing a spec, I go you, over to. But Europe then you got to get the. Well, you got to find the right. Right. So you put a management team in. You you know you look at it, and then you, your shareholders have the right to say yay or nay. Right. 
But not David, yes or no. They can no. only say yay or nay. David, I do think someone asked me last night. Well, how can the S? How can they, the brokers, allow a Smile Direct to come public? And I had to remind him. It's kind of like forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Forget it, Jake. It's Wall Street. They don't sit there and try to be governors of the situation. If it can, if it can walk, they'll put it on. They'll, they'll put it if up. They can, if they can find somebody to buy it. They'll sell it. Right. If you can get it, the only way you can get something to move is to sell. Yeah. And they're in sell mode. So it's back. By the way, I think people need to know. SPAC is kind of like, David, trust me. Give me millions and trust me. Why? Give me hundreds. Because I'm trustworthy. Well, because typically the person at the head of it has some expertise in a particular area and therefore indicates their ability to find the right Right. acquisition opportunity. But it's a bet. Um, but there's an awful lot of SPACs. All right, now, by the way, just go back yeah. to Cisco for a second. Yeah, go back Stocks to Cisco. Stocks continues to trade down. Yes, down over think, 6% I don't think that's Cisco. a surprise because there is, uh, it trades down to a level where I think people are saying, you know what, it's, uh, as you asked, Chuck, it's not necessarily next quarter is going to change. But I would also tell people that your question about a trade agreement mm-hmm. would make it so at 43.44, I know my travel trust would buy more of it. You would? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect anything great to happen, but I also think that every single bit of expectation... It has not been a good year for Cisco. Stock now up a little over 4% year-to-date. No, I know. That's why when I think of Cisco, I think of VSYY kind, the one that delivers food to my restaurant. Um, Speaking of stocks, though, that are having a good year, Walmart, of course, was a feature at the top of the broadcast, given the company's earnings uh, and comparable store sales, its strong performance as well and online. And it's holding right in where it appeared to be, about a little over 2%. That is an all-time high. People want to own this group. I think, obviously, it is uh, a consumer economy. And it could be wealth effects somewhat, David. It could also be, again, people feel confident. Confidence because of the the confidence they have that they were not going to lose their job, given the fact that there's so few workers around. That worked. And I'm not talking about political. I'm talking about actual numbers. Okay, you could say, well, President Trump is the reason why the numbers are working is because of his policies. But what matters is job confidence breeds spent. And boy, people are spending. They're spent. They're also spending where the bargains are. Right. No, Brian Cornell's just not run the same old target. And I don't know if you've been to Costco lately, but no price increase from the tariffs that I can find. Now, I know there's... How is it that that's really the case? I mean, we're collecting now $7 billion worth of tariffs a month, I believe, at the Treasury uh, on goods coming in from China. I think it's because the leverage that a Costco has. They can tell people, look, you're eating it. We'll take some, but you're eating it if you want to be in Costco. You know, I once was involved in a business to sold things into Costco. And I didn't determine what price we got. They did. Usually there's bargaining. Mm-hmm. Walmart's very similar. There's such, they have, there's such behemoths. Mm-hmm. They can really change things. You know, you know, I think the Walmart announces great numbers, David, and there's really no impact from tariffs. And inflation's low. And, and did you hear that from Pal? Uh, it is interesting. You know, it is said that the president spends no. a lot of his time in the morning Here's, watching a lot of TV screens. Here, so watches and us. so while Fox and Friends is certainly up there, so are we. Fox, Fox and who? Friends. I'm not familiar with that. Well, we don't watch that show. I mean, the fact that I was on it for two years, I'm not familiar with it. You were on? No, you Yeah, that's where the lighting round started. 
Really? Yeah, on Fox and Friends. You must have missed that period of your Well, we used to go, and then at one point... you came on CNBC? Oh, no, you, the lightning round was the late Roger I was always, I've, always, I've been on the air now at yeah. this time, yeah, the day from right. 7 to whatever. There couldn't be nicer. Brian Kilmeade could be nicer. Steve um, anyway, that was a, you saw the president weighing in there on exactly what we were just talking about. No, no, ma'am, can you just tell me about I was Good timing. I was quoting well, the time. president when I was doing that. I mean... Yes, just made, now you were, but he was kind of quoting you in his tweet. Well, we quote each other all the time. Yeah, I know. Well, of course, this is part of his plan to have you become the Fed chairman after after that guy I, that he doesn't like. Jay. Yeah. What can I say? I'm speechless, David. I just hope you'll still do interviews with us when you are the Fed chair. Speechless. Um, I want to talk about Disney. Yesterday's performance was, was really eye-opening, Jim. Uh, they, Of course, the, if you're unfamiliar with the company, we've discussed it endlessly, of course, Disney+. Plus, But 10 million or more than 10 million uh, uh, subscribers. Uh, they put that out in a press release right around noon. And I think it's an interesting reflection of our current stock market. Tell me. The performance of the stock itself to that news, because it was clearly a real positive, right? Right. There it is. Now, look what the stock did over the course of the day. And I know it's hard to see here, but in the moments after, it really wasn't up very much. No, it was up two, it, was it jumped 10, to three, and then. 15 minute period, where it was, it was up incredible. 50 cents, maybe. maybe no, it was a incredible. More than that. Yeah, because and, we're down a little bit, you're absolutely right. I mean, I looked at it and I said, and wow, I'm surprised people don't like this. Yes, exactly. And you know why? Because you're also a prisoner of the old market, which... In, I'm a prisoner in which, of love. Yes, well, that too. Um, in which fundamental players immediately read press releases and made decisions. But you know what? That's not the way the market works anymore. And tell me how it works, Mr. Latency. It's, it's the algorithm. It's, it's the algorithms Yeah, now. it is, isn't And it? the algorithms are not necessarily set up for intraday news particularly well. They're very good right. at dealing with an earnings report or news after the bell. They're not as good in that sort of period of time during the day. And you don't have the fundamental investors that rush in because there just aren't as many of them right. anymore. You're so right. And I, speaking of one hedge fund manager this morning, he said, you know what? I'm still keying off of the pattern recognition that I've had over the last 20 years, which says if there's not a response, that's because people already know it. Right, so he's using but what I call the But that wasn't the case brain. here. People didn't know it. Right. It was really good news. And it took sort of the more, much of the day to fully reflect the market's Incredible. view of what it meant for Disney. When I spoke to Bob Iger uh, yesterday afternoon, he basically said, listen, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. When, and yet... You spoke to Bob Iger? Yeah. Really? Uh, how'd you Bob, do that? How'd you do that? CEO of... I, 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 I called him on the phone. It's not, not allowed. What do you mean? No, well, there's no insider. Why is he right? talking to you? Why is he talking yeah, to me? He's not supposed to talk to me. Why? Because he only supposed to talk to me. No, no, I, I'm not, I would give you his number, but you're not going to get I, it. I, I, well, no, I got the new number. I, you don't have the new number. I have David, the there's a new number. He changed his number because he was sick of you calling. I have the super no, but, secret but special yeah, number. You know, talking about, now, this, this is a man. Can I just say? Yeah, here this, we go. This is a man. What a man. What are you, like, incredible Philip man? Philip Roth? Philip Roth? Just um, a man. Yeah. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Just a man. Okay, so, <laughs> David... Um, oh, man. Sorry. Okay. No, it just talked about the brand, the brand, the brand. And yeah. I added that the CEO, the CEO, the CEO. And it was, people think it was a great gamble. The gamble would have been to do nothing. Without a doubt. Without and a doubt. he took the gamble in his self-effacing nature. Plus, you, you know, you got to read his book. I have. I'm on it. In it. I'm Page sorry that I got. or something. I'm sorry that I got him and you didn't. You but didn't, you know, but, but that's okay, because you know what? I'm like, I'll make it up to you. I have Viacom so, so, once today. I text You do? No, yeah. you don't. I do. No, you don't. Yeah, I'm going to leave here and interview Bob Backus. 
All right, we're done. The show's over. Let's go to break. I've had enough of him. Not even... Talk to the hand. Are you serious? Yes. Don't you wait. Well, you know what? Of course they talk to you. It's their last quarter that they're reporting as a public company before the deal. Right. Okay, so yeah, why not talk to you? Billy Joel well, and I, talk David, to me once, once they are a united. Yeah, dream on. Yeah, once they're united. Look at that. See why? You know, uh, Bob Backus, he's going to run both those companies, you know, too, when they merge really, them. Really, really getting me mad. Yeah. Um, uh, there's Backish. By the way, the stock is up. We're, I'm just kidding. I love the fact that he gets interviews with all of my... You're not all kidding my, at all. Long time. No, I'm not at all. Viacom <laughs> um, is up about 3%. Reversing yesterday, we've watched CBS in a long-term downtrend. I guess it does help when you sit there and just constantly throw darts at them, Jim, doesn't it? It gets them to come on the show. No, I think when that... you sit there and say, why do I own this in my charitable trust? How could this possibly be the case? Will the stock ever go I up? I have a masochistic approach, and it's tend to endear me to people. By the way, it's Affiliate fee numbers were a bit better than anticipated, uh, and as you can see there, uh, this stock is being rewarded. Oh, this you morning. know something about it? That's good because you know Paramount. Turned I'll help you with the interview. What do you think about the Paramount? Paramount five hundred million. They had operating income, not bad. You know how right? bad that thing. First time four years, yeah, they've turned it around. Yeah, and now maybe you don't want to pull Viacom from the bundle nah. because you'd also be bullish. That said, and I'm happy to go through questions with you, of course, if you need me to, Jim. But um, the question is, do can they? Do they still have the scale? I mean, that continues to be the key question so many investors are asking. No, and also, I mean, I'm going to be asking about the idea of, will they lose the NFL package? But I think the NFL likes the look and feel. They like that Jim Nance, That's Tony Romo. will tell you, as will Fox, by the way, tell you the same thing. Went, I have Tony Romo's number. I don't. Uh, he told me, he said, listen, I'm going to make you like the Cowboys. Your wife's a knockout. But uh, that is a key question. Uh, the NFL is going to be an important one when they begin negotiations. And how big will an Amazon come to play in some fashion? We already know ABC is also going to be involved. Jim, before we get to Bob, anything else we should be uh, keying off of this morning, aside from entertainment stocks and things of that nature that you're watching? You know, I, I'm looking at, again, I mean, we just, the, this two-sided market has got a lot of people spooked. And a lot of it, David, is this notion of, is the president, when he says, we're going to have, we're rapidly going toward a deal, but we're not going to have a deal, he's creating havoc for a lot of stocks. And I said yesterday that you don't want to own the Procter & Gamble's of the world. The economy is much stronger than people said, think it is. You want to own the cyclicals. And, David, it is playing out. That's what you want to own. And technology, technology is so good, except for the ones that are involved just with Enterprise. Right. Enterprise. So you asked the weak. question, 5G. Yeah. 5G is huge, but it's Cisco's the second year of 5G. And it's, still, and an it's still on the come. The Internet of Things that he talked about is really not going to be a significant contributor until, let's call it, end of next year, if not into 2021. Yes. Um, I think um, that John Malone and David Zaslan, there's some people that I'm lining up now. Okay. I'm going to deal with him while we go to Bob Bassani. Get more on what's moving this morning, Bob. Hello, guys. Uh, happy Thursday. The, uh, once again, just like yesterday, the low print was right at the open, and we've been improving. The, uh, the Dow just went positive briefly for a moment. Oh, now it is positive. Uh, if you take a look at the sectors here, it mostly cyclicals that were weak at the open. Uh, so transports, uh, banks, semiconductors are down. Retail is up because Walmart had a good print. It's bringing up some of the other retailers. That's the XRT, the retail ETF. Walmart there, that's an historic high, folks. There it is. You got back a long way to get a high like that for Walmart. Good numbers at 3.2% U.S. comp. That's a very good number as well. But even though the XRT, the retail ETF, is up nicely this 
this year, don't kid yourself, it's bifurcated. There's a small group of winners at the top, and we know who they are. Targets up. Look, these are not typos. 48% for Costco, uh, 34% for Ross, Walmart 33, Amazon 17. It's a small group. Yeah, there's a few others, especially retail. Lululemon, maybe a couple of other ones that are out there. But by and large, there's a small group of winners and a lot of losers right now. And it's very easy to figure out why. There's a very high cost of business out there. We've been talking about this for years. Value and convenience is what the, the consumer wants today. And it's very difficult to deliver that in a big package. You want inline delivery. You want uh, home delivery. Uh, that's hard to deliver here. That you've got the expectations very high on selection and price from the consumer. And it turns out there's really only a small number of companies who really can deliver on this across multiple platforms and have the money to actually spend on that. That's retail uh, in a nutshell. Elsewhere, have you noticed this morning an explosion of optimism? My, there's a lot of bullishness out there. I'm just talking about analysts right now. So look at Barclays this morning. Big note. Small caps are at an inflection point. They've been underperforming all year. Thanks for that. But the headwinds subsided. Now 2020 is going to be the year of small cap stocks. That's not the only one. Bank of America Merrill Lynch. This is Mike Wilson. Stage is set to extend the cyclical rally on on cyclical stocks. We think the stage is set for a restocking driven recovery in spring 2020 to extend the cyclical rally. That's rather remarkable there from from Mike and his team over there. Uh, They've often been very critical of uh, the stock market in uh, 2019. Uh, Then we go to um, Morgan Stanley here. We think a secular rotation from growth to value is beginning. Remember, of course, value stocks being bank stocks largely and some energy stocks. They're bullish on, on value in 2020. Uh, retail investors seem to be very bullish. The American Association of Individual Investors, very high bullish levels. Normally, this is 35, 36, 37, 40 percent bullish. Bears, normally 30, 31 percent bearish, 24 percent. Again, retail investors are bullish. What does all of this mean, the sudden outbursts of optimism that we've got? If you just take a look here, analysts are really optimistic. Retail investors are bullish. The market's at a new high, and the market internals indicate overbought. In other words, we've been going up rapidly in the last few weeks. I don't know. This is a little bit of a red uh, warning sign to me on a classical basis, if you look at it. Internally, though, they're absolutely right. We have broken out. So the technicians are even getting in on this. There's technical analysts that are having notes here that we've had a nice breakout in the last few weeks to these new highs. We'll see. But just keep an eye on this frothiness in the market. Guys, back to you. All right. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. I don't know. Jim and I were just talking. The overnight data from China. Fixed assets, ex-world industrial production year over year, industrial production year to date, retail sales, none of it good. No, and you, none of it good. If you talk to Chuck Robbins about, remember, they managed to distance themselves from China. By the way, it's tough for technology companies to do a lot of business with China because of the tr- technology stealing, but China's awful. China's getting tough, yeah. China's uh, awful. Now, we in, know that they play the long game. They do, you know and what? it's in relation to, obviously, the pressures they're feeling and what's going to happen in terms of the talks, the trade talks, which... Which, thankfully, we didn't really talk about at the top of the show. No, we didn't. Um, and we don't have time for now because we've yeah. got to get to Rick Santelli in the bond pits, check in on uh, fixed income. Rick. You know, it's fascinating. Let's start out with the macro, the wide angle, shall we? Let's open up a chart to early September for 10s. That pretty much gives you all the significant levels. The cycle low there on the left, uh, right around 145 and a half. And you can see the 190 high close in September, mid-September. We took it out, and we're slipping. Uh, and you see that there's still an upward slope, but definitely a failure to really hold into those 190s or even challenge a psychologically important 2%. If we go more macro and you look at a three-day chart of 10s, 
you can really see we've gone from 195 plus to 182. So we're down a baker's dozen with respect to a high to low over the last three sessions. We're down 12 basis points on the week. If you look at what's going on overseas, a one week of boon yields, very similar pattern, just the scaling's different and the percentages are rather large. We went from a minus 22 to a minus 34. We expanded it 12 basis points and we started at minus 22. So once again, we see not only what's going on in the EU, if you look at what's going on in the UK with all the Brexit issues, what I'm really trying to bring out is many different fundamentals patterns are the same. 83 down to 72. Finally, let's look at the dollar index. Sideways trade for these three days rates have been going down, but it is losing some of the momentum, recouping some of their October losses. And in about a half hour, we're going to have prospective Fed governor nominee, Dr. Judy Shelton. A lot of questions. We'll talk about Trump's economic uh, club of New York comments wanting negative rates. Why would any president want negative rates? That's what I'll ask her. Jim and David, back to you. I'm looking forward to the answer because I wonder the same thing, Rick. Rick Santelli. Today marks a big day, by the way, for the future of former WorldCom CEO Bernie Ebers. Some of you younger viewers out there may not know who he is, but it is the deadline for a federal judge to receive letters from victims as the court considers a pending motion for a reduction in the sentence of the former WorldCom CEO. He's 78 years old. He was convicted on nine counts of conspiracy, securities fraud, and making false regulatory filings. And what remains one of the biggest accounting frauds in history, one I broke, by the way. Yes, you and did. And it has served Mind a little you know. more than half his sentence. That's, it was 25 years he was given. Wow. I did speak to Ebers back in 2003 as part of the documentary, The Big Lie. Take a listen. There's lots of stuff out there that... So you frustrated? You can't really. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I, for the sake of all the people that built the company, not for my sake. I'd like for the facts to be known. But. Well, we may be out of bankruptcy. Who knows? By end of yeah. September? I don't know. I haven't heard. Possible. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Possible. You know, the name's going to change to MCI. Well, it was a hell of a ride. It was. Well, you may not have 20, Viacom, but you look exactly the same. I don't know about that. That was an incredible period. That was, that was yeah, that was quite a was moment. A, but the stock was like, it was like a real company. No, it was, it was a, a shock to the market. Six big, o'clock on our air, yeah. Huge company. You tell the you world that WorldCom is a massive fraud. It was, a, it was a moment. But this was as well, of course, talking to Bernie Evers as we walked through his hometown of Brookhaven, Mississippi, uh, unexpectedly when he joined us on that day. Wow, can it really possibly be 16 plus years ago? Uh, seems hard to imagine, but I think it is. Amazing. Um, right before that big blackout hit the Northeast. Um, but Jim, you look at what he got. That incredibly oh, long sentence. Yes. Oh my God! And then Enron. And then you think to the financial crisis. No one got it. There's a, the art and the justice system became very nobody. arbitrary and capricious. Nobody. Yes. Nobody. Angela Mazzillo sitting somewhere. Maybe he's even watching. I just mentioned him out of a, so many executives. So Tony many. Tony West, uh, who is now, see, you know, he's now the general counsel of Uber, did his best, but they went after the money, not the players. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to be talking about the business of cannabis. Take a look at Canopy Growth. Whew. Yeah. Uh, down. The company did post a wider than expected loss. Jim mentioned it, of course, in his mad dash. But we are going to have an interview with the CEO. Let's walk in the street. We'll be right back.
There it is, shares of Walmart, uh, hanging in there with a 2% gain, but that's an all-time high for uh, the company. Uh, here's how the stock's performed, by the way, since Doug McMillan became CEO. That was 2014. You can see he took the pain, but there's been a lot of gain. We're back at this. Time only for uh, you to tell us once again that Bob Backish will be joining yes, you he will. on Mad Money tonight. <laughs> Probably the story of today. Viacom Bi- Bi- reporting and, earnings. And, 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 this is the last quarter they'll be reporting as a yes, separate company yes. from CBS. The merger uh, less than a month away from closing. Yep. And uh, JJ Bianami uh, for Biomarin. This is one of those companies. I wonder if the Democrats are how they feel about orphan drugs. It was really their idea. Um, and here you watch. Right. Here we go. That's, yep. They've got the, this is probably the number one. Hatch You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.